Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and there are never enough walls to cover your back. And with me, I've got Liam. This is an explicit podcast, right? Absolutely. It fucking is, dude. Fucking shit, yeah. Just fuck that guy's asshole, you bitch. It's a real line of dialogue. Uh, And Mitch. If the worst that happens during your time with us is that you suffer the indignity of an old man seeing your cock, then I'd say you got off light. Man, you guys really went for a particular direction there. <laughs> the movie offered it up, bro. All we were doing was picking up what it was putting down. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was so, a big dildo in this movie. Yeah, briefly, but uh, notably. Um, one of many big things in this movie this whole movie's big it's long it's got big fights big dudes hitting big guys with big stuff um this is one of the few instances we've had of really getting like a capital a action movie you know what i mean uh i feel like we've actually made it out of this the four years of this show like relatively unscathed in that respect unscathed well it's just it's just the phrase right um we haven't had to do a ton of this particular kind of movie which i think is kind of neat yeah there was police story three which is um a different kind of an action movie and yeah police story skylines but other well. than that not that much yeah the, the skyline movies are closer um but that's sort of purely in a cast overlap and therefore you can use those guys for that stuff kind of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think all that said, it's worth reiterating what degree of action movie people we are. And I'm teeing this question up on purpose to start with Liam. Uh, I don't watch a whole lot of action movies um it's just not really what i gravitate to when i want to watch a movie um but if i hear that an action movie is really good i get excited about it and and i and i like to watch it and typically i do have fun with them um but you know i could probably sit down and rattle off every almost every action movie i've seen you know like by just thinking a little bit i don't think i've seen all that many straight ahead action movies i tend to prefer the ones that have horror movie-esque violence in them i'm i'm not as into uh the jason statham sort of uh cartoonish um violence i like the i like the bloody stuff i like when there's like kills integrated within the action i like um wide camera angles where you just get to see like cool stunt choreography that kind of hits my uh professional wrestling itch where i just get to marvel at people doing gnarly things um to their actual bodies um it sounds like you're describing the raid too (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) This is well because I was thinking about it when we pulled this movie, just knowing that historically you're not like action man. So I was curious about how this was going to ultimately play out, and I mean we'll find out. But well, the raid is a is a franchise that um, 
is uh, is what I was describing. Like it was a movie that when it came out, that first one when I was in high school, I kept hearing about it, and I had a friend who was really into it and was describing it as you know an an atypical action movie, an action movie that is uh, really good. I think action movies and horror movies kind of both have this stigma where. Um, they're a lot of them are like viewed generally as like cheesy and not good and so someone has to be like no this is an action movie but it's really good or this is a horror movie but it's really good mm-hmm. um and in this case the raid was one of those movies so i i saw the raid back in high school and um i was i was i was ready for the second one to see to see what was good and you were a fan of it in high school uh i remember i remember liking it um I don't I wasn't blown away by it and funny enough I actually apparently according to my letterbox I watched it again in 2019 um and I I have no memory of it at all and normally I'm pretty good at tying yeah. memories to movies um this one I honestly have no memory of watching the original raid um but I think I think I liked it yeah I I rated it as a 7 out of 10 at the time so okay and Mitch, in in a broad sense, are you are you action man or are you not action man? Definitely, I I I feel like I'm less of an action movie guy now. But the genre of action is is so broad. I feel Liam's right when he says that people have a tendency to generalize action films. But I mean, the the genre is so broad. I mean, you could be talking about like Indiana Jones. You could be talking about Top Gun. You could drift into science fiction and be talking about a movie like Aliens. Um, or action comedies, right? There's so many great ones. I mentioned the Police Story uh, franchise earlier, or um, I don't know, like the Lethal Weapon movies, or Beverly Hills Cop, re- Cops, excuse me. Um, there's just like it's such a broad um, genre with so many different movies, and there's a lot of stuff to love. So I grew up watching a lot of action movies, and I uh, I definitely love a good action film. Liam gave a bit of a sense of like the kind of ones that he goes toward right i mean my tastes definitely skew um i would say towards like 80s stuff um like i love um like the films of john mctiernan like the Die Hard movies uh the terminator terminator um i love a really cheesy <laughs> steven seagal movie or, or jean-claude van damme um I again uh films like like aliens um all within that uh classic period of, of stuff. I also really love Hong Kong action movies um of what I've I've seen I've seen quite a few and um martial arts action movies. So that's kind of like where my taste skew towards mostly. Right. Yeah, nice. I uh I like action uh quite a bit um but I think uh, I am maybe a bit of a snob in a kind of unfair sense um, in that, like, I don't know, some of the biggest action movies on the planet right now are, like, the Fast and Furious movies, and I, like, don't watch those on principle or something. Maybe not I, principle. I'm but the you, same you way. You know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But um, once I started getting into stuff like older Hong Kong stuff initially and just, like, that fucking wildness and um but i want to be more proactive about watching stuff that is a little bit more like the raid where um like the martial arts focus is a lot more forward yeah um because like 
something like police story like has that but it's like equal parts martial arts and like outright stuntsmanship whereas this is a little bit more just like dudes are going to like capital f fight each other and um you've got some really incredible stunt work but yeah for yeah sure. it's a two-way street like they're the same thing of course but the the priority just being a little bit different and i also think that like action roles are a, a good opportunity for like melodrama which could be fun too like just a real sappy goofy kind of actiony movie action's so broad but like i have a hard time watching more modern uh action epics than i do with older stuff i feel like i'm not super interested in what like action movies hollywood's cooking out today um i feel like a lot of them so many of them are are like uh, superhero movies or stuff like that which doesn't really interest me but i mean there are there are definitely like diamonds in the rough and movies that have like some strong action scenes um more recently that i've really liked like uh like some some of the fight scenes in nobody are crazy but um yeah, well, and also, like, John Wick took over the fucking world. Yeah, John Wick like, is a is a really great modern franchise, but I don't watch that many recent action movies. Um, and it's something maybe I should change, because I know that there's plenty of good ones, but my tastes lie in the past with action films. Yeah. As with lots of other films. I also think it's, all, it's also a good opportunity to, like, check out foreign stuff yeah. that we might not be aware of, which I think this is another example of, obviously, mm-hmm. headed to indonesia here um dude yeah i uh i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on the podcast but there's an indonesian action movie from 2018 called the night comes for us we're about to talk about that a lot oh uh, my god I'll, I'll save it then but holy shit i haven't seen it but i'd like to and then when i realized how many people that made the two raid movies also made that i was like deeply compelled at like what they cooked up and then I talked to some friends about it who are more well read on this than me. And they were all like, I think I like that more than any of the Raid movies. You should go watch it right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. It so, ass. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess let's just, let's just tee up. Well, I will say I, for this today, I did watch the Raid 1, which uh, I don't think I had ever seen all of. Oh, and uh that was interesting uh you had seen parts of it some set pieces had been like fairly viral popular like youtube videos and stuff that you could watch and i had seen like pieces of the movie but i had never sat down to watch it um remarkable how similar that movie is to dread oh yeah oh that's a good example of an action movie we did on the pod great yeah. movie too um also dread released after the first raid movie but was apparently shot before it which is really interesting to me because they're the premise of both is special forces enter apartment complex get stuck inside everyone wants to kill them in there yeah sometimes evil twin movies like that just come out where they're so similar and they're like right back to back another one that um reminds me of the raid a little bit is from 2011 it's a british movie called attack the block oh yeah. sure um, and that's also about people kind of being isolated in a uh complex while some actiony stuff is happening and i i love that i love that premise so i'm all for it 
Yeah, it's just I found it really interesting. But uh, I was glad I finally sat down to watch it because I think it makes really good use of its premise and using like the limited geography of the space that they're in to like take advantage of the action that it can actually have. And um, I I think uh, that movie was just so so thin on the narrative element it was like almost to the point of like why even bother where it's like honestly like you could just have a van roll up to a building and guys walk in and people start not wanting them there and like not even say anything to me and i would have felt the same level of narrative investment as i did in the raid the actual movie (laughs) Hmm. um just in how perfunctory that felt to the thing that they were trying to get to uh which i thought was interesting did you feel like that took away some enjoyment for you or you like that um, about it? I don't know. I, I was fascinated. I, there's a lot of reviews on Letterboxd at least that really singled that out as like a huge drawback of like not being able to get invested in the raw action and violence of it because the narrative was so underdone. I don't know if I would go that far, but I definitely felt that it was like, well, this is like pure uh sheen just so the movie has like vague structure instead of just like dropping people in there but i would have been as okay with just dropping people in there sheen is my favorite clothing designer for what it's worth is that how you say that yeah oh i've never heard anybody say it after after watching the raid 2 that idea kind of sounds uh appealing to me to be honest i just take the plot out and just yeah i see what you mean some action um but we'll get there uh so this movie is this movie being the raid 2 directed written and edited by gareth evans uh so it's his baby um gareth evans who you might know for gangs of london apostle safe haven and vhs2 or VHS, the safe haven part of VHS too. Sorry, I read that wrong. Which is a crazy uh, chapter. Yeah, it's the best one. It's the, yeah, it's the. Oh, you can definitely see shades of that in like the chaos of this movie. I think there's some oh. cast overlap. Oh, I'm sure there's cast overlap, and he co-directed it with the dude who directed The Night Comes for Us. So it's just a Timo. It's just a collection of all that. I don't know how to say his last name. The Night Comes for Us guy, but yeah, Timo. <laughs> Uh, the cinematography uh, is by Matt Flannery, who also, or these guys have some overlap too. Matt Flannery, who shot The Raid, Apostle, Gangs of London, and also Dimas Imab Sapono, who shot The Raid, and also Marantau, uh, which is the also the debut film of the lead actor in the two Raid movies. So there's some overlap there. Um I couldn't believe this. Can you guys believe this movie has three composers? Um, I don't even remember the music. <laughs> I remember some of the music just because it's so on the... Some of it's like super on the nose. Um, I just I thought that was fascinating. So we've got Arya Prayogi, who worked on The Raid, uh, some of the sequences in ABCs of Death, uh, and also Apostle in the Night Comes for Us. Uh, we've got Joseph Trapanese, um, who we've actually talked about before, which was a surprise to me, uh, for Are You Afraid of the Dark? But also The Witcher, Shadow and Bone. 
he was in the music department on Tron Legacy. Obviously, he's not in Daft Punk, but he was around. Um, the video game Need for Speed Payback. Uh, you like that one? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cool. There's a few good ones. Uh, Straight Out of Compton, Tron Uprising, which is the cartoon, and uh, Oblivion, that Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> That I think I've watched my dad watch like a hundred times. Uh, and also Fajar Yuskamal, who worked on Apostle, Gangs of London, The Night Comes for Us, and Sleep Call. So a lot, a lot, a lot of overlap. Hmm. I'm still thinking about of... Oblivion, and for me, there can only be one. Stop. Okay, I won't try and hide. You violated this. the law. Oh. Have was... you heard any news from the other provinces? <laughs> I was I wasn't just telling you to stop. That would have been mean. Um so uh starring in this movie, uh we've got Iko Uwais, who plays Rama, who we've talked about before in uh Beyond Skyline. Also, you can see him in The Raid. Uh The Night Comes for Us, Snake Eyes, Fistful of Vengeance, and The Expendables 4, as well as a cameo in the Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, really cool to like go to the theater and see the Expendables trailer and him show up. I was like so gassed. I'm glad that this guy's getting opportunities, like bigger ones over here. He gets to be the bad guy. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, which apparently he also is in The Night Comes for Us, I've learned, which I am compelled by. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, you, you got to see it. Uh, we've got Arfin Putra as Uko. Uh, and also, this is one of the first times I've ever had to do this. I have written like a legend next to everybody's name because I was losing track of who was who. Um, so Uko, aka the son of the old man, like the guy that the protagonist is spending all of his time with. Mm -hmm. Um, he's done a fuck ton of work in Indonesia, <laughs> like. Oh, like over 150 credits which seems like a lot because he's pretty young uh so i was i was pretty shocked by that and then we have oka antara playing ika who is the right hand man of the son of the old man so he's the guy who shows up again back at the end in that car chase that guy uh he's also in vhs too um we've got tio Pakusadewo, who plays Bangun, who is Uko's dad, aka the old man I described a second ago, uh, who is in a re a remake of the movie Crazy Stupid Love that was made in <laughs> 2022. Oh, I guess we got to put it on the list. Yeah, I guess it's like an Indonesian or potentially elsewhere in Asia remake, but yeah. Uh, and also Letters from Prague. Uh, Alex Abad, who is Beho who is the guy with the cane who was like the up and coming gang man. Uh, and then we've got Yayan Ruhyan playing Prokoso, who is uh, the hitman with the machete, who we know, Skylines. of course, from Skylines <laughs> and uh, beyond Skyline as well, lest we forget. Also, he's in John Wick 3. Also, he's one of the stunt choreographers for this movie. Uh, so the stunt choreography is credited to him and to Iko Uwais, and then a fight choreography credit is given to Gareth Evans. I don't know if that's just because he's the director, because my understanding is that he d himself doesn't do 
this stuff, but anyway. Uh, and then we've got a uh, Sesep Arif Rahman who plays the assassin, which really doesn't narrow it down. But um, the guy with the two little curved knives that he wears on the back of his belt. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I feel like a lot of action movies can get described this way, where you don't know, the, you can't recall the name of the character, but they each have like a distinguishing feature. Yeah, or they just don't have names. Like, he doesn't have a name. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This girl also- carries hammers. This guy carries a bat. Oh, you're going to love their right. names. <laughs> um. So, uh, Seisep Arif Rahman, also part of that cameo of martial artists in Star Wars The Force Awakens, and he was also in John Wick 3. Um, Very Tree Yulisman plays Baseball Batman. <laughs> that's his name? Yeah, that's the credit. Great. See, they gave, they gave up eventually, too. Yeah, he was we in track. Uh, Beyond Skyline, Headshot, and The Night Comes for Us. Uh, Julie Estelle plays Hammer Girl. Uh, she was also in The Night Comes for Us and Headshot, and also Letters from Prague, as mentioned earlier, with the old man. Um, and now we have some characters with names. Uh, we have Kenichi Endo as Hideaki Goto, who is the the dad of the Japanese gang, uh, who has worked a fuck ton in Japan, but also notably is in a movie called Violent Cop, which they could have just called Cop. And it would have been fine. Um, and then playing his son is Ryuhei Matsuda, who's playing Keiichi Goto. I spent the entire fucking movie trying to place this man's face. It was driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm like, I know I've seen you somewhere before. And I couldn't place it. And I was just going absolutely bananas. Um are either of you familiar with the movie Gohato, which is also called Taboo? I've heard of the title. Yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's a it's a Nagisa Oshima movie, and uh, it's got a soundtrack by Ryuichi Sakamoto, and it's also got uh, Tadanobu Asano and uh, Takeshi Kitano in it, and uh, huh. that movie fucking solaps. Um, the premise of that movie is literally essentially, um, what if a bunch of samurai worked and lived in a place and a really hot young samurai showed up and no one knew what to do with themselves. (laughs) And I'm, I'm, I'm playing it up for dramatic effect, but, uh, it's called taboo for a reason. Also weird thing about that movie, because it is relatively sexually explicit or at least sexually forward and also, a gay movie made in 1999, but uh, Ryuhei Matsuda, it was his first role, and he was 16. Uh, uh oh, uh, bold choice, but uh, that movie might still be on Criterion Channel. Uh, spectacular movie, really cool sets, and some really great performances in that, including from him. So it was fun to see him again. It's also crazy that he's been like working for that long now because he doesn't look that old <laughs> so well, he wasn't very old when he started that's what it, yeah also uh <laughs> the other thing that you probably know him from is that he is one of the voices in isle of dogs as well fell asleep during that one <laughs> tough uh kazuki kitamura plays ryuichi who is 
Hideaki Goto's translator. A ton of stuff in Japan. Um, Roy Martin plays Reza. I literally didn't know who this was when I was reading the credits. I had to go back and like actually look at the movie. So remember at the end of the movie when Uko and Beho are meeting with a guy and then Rama shows up and is like fucking slaughtering everybody, of course. Mm -hmm. So that guy that they're talking to is a corrupt police officer who they're like in cahoots with. Um, That is Reza, apparently. So I guess that's where some of that comes back into play of why he was initially undercover in the first place. But I literally had no idea who that was by the end of the movie. Hmm. Um, and then we've got Epi Kusnadar as Topan, who I will affectionately call Porn Guy. Uh, he's the guy who runs the porn studio. Uh, Zach Lee plays Benny, who is the guy that we see Uko with in jail at the beginning. He's also in The Night Comes for Us. And... Uh, reprising his role briefly from the raid is donnie alamsia as andy which is rama's brother who gets killed at the beginning of the movie uh you can see why i needed to keep track of who was who (laughs) you've done a beautiful job getting through all the names i tried i did my best um but yeah this movie weaves a fairly complex web once you actually get down to business um this movie is First of all, it's two and a half hours, and um, it starts almost immediately at the end of the first movie with the Special Forces group from that film getting some help after escaping the apartment complex that they were in, uh, and Rama gets sort of coerced or convinced into doing undercover work going after gangs that are being supported by corrupt police officers in order to get corrupt cops off the street because the premise of that initial movie was largely built around um this like drug kingpin local kind of guy but who was being backed up by a bunch of corrupt police so that theme is sort of continuing um and then he gets sent undercover to go to this jail but instead of getting in with like police in the jail he sent to get in touch with the son of a guy who runs a cartel gang kind of situation that is in a tense piece with a Japanese Yakuza group in the same area around Jakarta and there is a third separate group involving Beho who was the guy with the cane who was this like upstart guy who was trying to break in and they're essentially saying that we've put you in undercover in this jail so that you can get in cahoots with the son of of the guy who is leading the gang because they are the people that have the ultimate connections to people higher up the chain that will identify the corrupt police officers. And he's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Um, let me just leave my wife and son behind and that's fine. And then for some reason he ends up strapped in that jail for two years, um, because of various jail fights, I guess. And then he gets out of the jail and the police continue sort of sponsoring his, undercoverness so he gets sort of 
initiated into uh, the gang that is being run by Bangun. And as that happens, he gets to know Uko, who's like a real ambitious sort of like fail son, piece of shit kind of guy. And while that's happening, though, Beho is in the ear of Uko and trying to sort of convince him that like, hey, you and me, we're both ambitious young hotshots. What if we overthrew the stable order of the system in which we reside and built a new beautiful society together where we ran all the, the gang and drug stuff? And while that's happening, there's a B plot around an assassin that really wants to see his family again, but then dies because that just happens sometimes. And also we have our protagonist who you'd think I would talk about more considering he's the protagonist of the movie. And he's just sort of witness, bearing witness to a lot of this. And he at points wants to be more proactive about the ultimate policing effort of this entire thing. But the police are more concerned with, you know, getting to their ultimate goal than they are with like his safety or his thoughts on how to approach that. And then all of this sort of snowballs and coalesces as Uko and Beho start making increasingly irresponsible decisions around the landscape that these gangs exist in. And um, Rama is sort of caught in the middle of a bunch of like assassins and gang members and killers and just wants to try to do the right thing for somebody in the midst of all of that. I think that's all I'm willing to explain. He's also an undercover cop. I said that. I know, but... Oh, yeah. Just uh, everything that happens within the context of that is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I probably missed some C plot somewhere in there, but... uh. It's a it's a complex film. Um uh a particularly I, I would genuinely argue that this was one of the harder to follow movies we've ever seen in terms of just that overall narrative I just attempted to lay out. It was a bit of a lift for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like they uh they wrote a complicated plot for the first movie not even a simple plot a complicated plot for the first movie and then along the lines they were like you know what why don't we just come out of the gate swinging we'll take the plot out we'll just have the action we'll move all the plot to the second movie and then we'll also write a complicated plot specifically for the second movie and we'll put them both together so it's, it's like quadruply complicated i do actually have some intel here uh or at least my understanding of this intel as explained to me by our good friend, Australian Dom, who we all remember. Uh, essentially what happened is Gareth Evans wanted to make the big sprawling crime movie from the beginning. That couldn't get the full like sort of funding and support it would need for him to be such an early on filmmaker to do something so... Uh, sprawling and kind of significant but the raid did get made and then with that proof of concept the raid 2 came about by essentially doing a lot of the stuff like that sprawling crime movie kind of became the raid 2 interesting that's very interesting this makes a lot of sense of the uh the passion piece yeah so i think liam you've talked before about um a filmmaker making a movie where they feel like this is the only movie they'll be able to make. So they just do everything. This is adjacent to that. 
I think he knew he was probably going to be able to do more, but this was clearly the one where he's like, well, I'm going to do everything I might want to do now just in case. You know what I mean? Well, I've got the clout. Right. Like, I, I think can a lot do of, this a lot of now, so let's do it. They rise and fall. Like, you look at, you know, when when Coppola made Godfather 2, he had all the clout in the world. When he made 3, he couldn't do everything he wanted to do because he didn't have all the clout anymore. So... Yeah, so I think Gareth Evans like can. very much struck while the iron was hot, which you cannot blame him for. Is there a third one? There is. I'm there not sure is. if it's out yet, but I but I, I know it. A, th- a third raid movie? Yeah. No, they. If you go on the Wikipedia page, it even says, which sounds like a hilarious oxymoron to me, possible canceled sequel. Oh, it's canceled. See, okay. If you Google it, you do see uh, Gareth Evans: The Raid Three was never made. But there's a trailer that exists. I mean, it's probably not a real trailer, though. Interesting. Right? Like, I'm assuming somebody probably, like, recut some footage together. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, in, in 2016, he says uh, the third film was no longer going forward with the franchise likely having ended. Um, moving back to UK felt like a closing chapter on that franchise. We ended the story pretty neatly in part two. I'm aware there's an interest for it, so never say never, but it's unlikely to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's a polite way of him saying they're kind of they're kind of done. He's uh, saying well, he's indicating we'll go Hawaiian in 20 years. Oh my god. Wait for that. Dude, the raid goes Hawaiian. No, I feel like they're already in a fairly tropical area though. They need to do the opposite. I feel like the raid needs to like go arctic. <laughs> I would love that. I do love them snow movies. That would be sick. Um, all right. I kind of want to just put this one to the floor. Like, who wants to go first? Liam, you go first. I'll go first. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I What I liked about this movie, and I did like this movie, what I particularly liked about this movie is um, it gave me... It made me feel alive multiple times while watching it. And what I mean by that is uh, I had this experience. It's one of my favorite experiences in life. I, I go to a lot of concerts. And, and when I go to a concert, and a lot of times I'm seeing a band for the first time, and someone will like play a certain riff or the song will uh, go to another section in the song that I'm not expecting and I love it, and it kind of makes me do the stank face, you know? It's like kind of like a I've frown. I've seen you do it. And I you, I look around in acknowledgement at, like, other people in the crowd, like, are you guys experiencing this? Do <laughs> oh, you guys just feel that? Are we all hitting this right now? <laughs> and, and this movie made me feel that way multiple times in the action scenes. There would just be a moment, and I would just, I would just be like, damn. Um, and I love that feeling. It's a feeling that I get from a lot of horror movies as well. Uh, certain types of horror movies. It's just like a a fun sort of watch. It's sort of the um, it's analogous to like a comedy movie making me laugh, I suppose. Um, and I just love that feeling. So I really like the movie that it was able to give me that. And um, the other main reason I really like it is because I think this is uh very much a character based movie. Um, 
which is very different in my memory to the first one. And, and Corey has, has said that as well. That the first one is sort of lacking in plot. This one spends a lot of time with the characters. And while I was a bit lost at times trying to catch up, like I, I realized in the first 10 minutes I had to go back and read the Wikipedia plot of the first movie because I had no idea what was happening in this one, uh, which is fair. It's a sequel. They don't need to catch me up. Um, so that helped. And then I still got lost at certain points, um, but the movie had a lot of character-driven scenes where even if I wasn't, I'm sure I missed a whole lot in the dialogue as to getting totally caught up on these people's histories and and uh, what these characters' goals are, the filmmaking in a lot of these character moments is so strong that I, that I really felt for these characters, particularly in how this movie deals with the aftermath of violence. There will be a lot of moments where something terrible happens to someone, you know, they get shot in the head or something and the camera really just lingers on them. And it doesn't feel like it is gawking at the violence in those moments. Um, it feels like it is it's a character moment where it's forcing me to get in the head of the character and kind of uh sympathize with how they must be feeling or i sympathize with the tragedy that i just witnessed of this person was previously alive and now they're dead and so to have that sort of emotional experience while also having just like a a physical reaction to a lot of the quick this guy appears on screen for five seconds and then just gets murked and then we move on i think that's a that's a really cool balance uh to strike and i do think that the length of the movie to me it felt like it didn't need to be this long i think it could have had all the same action sequences and and personally i think i still would have gotten um, a lot out of those character moments without some of the in-between stuff but you know then you get into the problem of uh what would i cut and if i might cut something that someone else would really love or maybe someone else who says the same thing would want to cut a scene that i really like um that's a, a quieter scene there's a few of those in this movie so uh it sort of ends up being i i'm glad that i got as much out of it as i did um even though it is as long as it is and i think that uh it it really ended up just being a a fun a fun time for me i think i would be more inclined to rewatch it if it were a bit shorter but i think that's a, that's a pretty small complaint um considering how much i got out of it so it was cool Nice. And Mitch? I'm super down with this movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it's it's difficult to follow in places. I agree with everything you guys were saying um, about that. I find that... I, I don't know if I fully agree with Liam about the, um, the emotional weight behind the characters because I feel like some of them aren't super flushed out or I was so lost in, the, in some of the characters and their motivations that I had a difficult time getting invested in some of those supporting characters. Um, I, th- I think from like a filmic sense, it definitely does a good job of conveying like the gravity of it, but there's a disconnect because I, I felt like I was lost for a lot of this movie. Um, but none of that really matters. Um, I mean, sometimes the, the, the whose interests and where they are in the relation to the fight is confusing, but the overwhelming style and the brutality and the grace and the unending violence and the action makes everything 
worthwhile. It's a really electric thing to watch, even if you're lost with who's doing what. Um, And again, all those things might not make sense to me on a first viewing, but I'm very down to watch this movie again. I feel like it's the kind of movie that is really well served with a second watch. And I think increased familiarity because there is a, a great um, craft at work that's operating on both like the action level and on the more quiet levels. Um, the ultra violence weirdly reminds me of only God for good. Only God forgives. I'm not sure why I was thinking of that movie repeatedly uh, when I was watching this. Um, I love that the movie isn't afraid to toss in a bit of camp here and there. Like some of the scenes are so corny. Well, some of the scenes are like deadly earnest. Um, I think like having Schubert and snow for Koso's death scene is kind of ridiculous. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the later cross cutting sequence sequences with the, you know, a pickaxe kill and two baseball kills where they pitches up the ball and <laughs> hits two people in a row. Ridiculous subway hammers. It's so over the top and it has so much personality that there's, there's just a lot to like. I can only imagine how this film would play in an Indonesian cinema. I would love to see it uh, in, a, in a cinema in Indonesia because I feel like uh, I don't know that much about movies from Indonesia. I haven't seen very many Indonesian action films, but just seeing this makes me want to see more and go down that. And because this movie gives me such a buzz that I want to chase. So I'm super down with this movie. I think there's a lot of things that logically don't make sense, like the whole absentee cops while they destroy the whole fucking city. Um, is ridiculous and you have to suspend your disbelief but it, at the end of the day it's an action movie so um, that kind of logic is just stupid it's not going to work but yeah it's a big thumbs up from me I'm a little surprised that I might be the the least high on the movie um, why does that surprise you first off Uh, because I think for whatever reason if somebody had to guess going into this what we would all think, I just felt like I would probably be at the top of people's guesses. I think purely, so. I think purely I was anticipating. What we've seen before. And also, I knew in my head, I was worried actually, Liam, that you were going to hate this as I was watching it. So, this has been a pleasant surprise. Um, just with like, what, what did you think I would hate about it? I just because in my head, I was like, I know you're not a huge action guy and it's like oppressively long and it just sort of goes on forever. And I, I thought that might have been like a turnoff. Um, Though maybe I was projecting because, uh, uh oh. Now, I need to make something unequivocally clear. I do like the movie, and the movie's really well made, and it's got a ton of really cool shit in it. Uh, what the fuck were they thinking making this two and a half hours? Um, it is. It's it's the degree to which it's too much is like unbelievable to me. Um, I I had a really hard time following it. Uh, I had a really hard time being invested in any way, shape, or form in the endless dialogue scenes of of which our protagonist is nary present for a third of them, and just it just sort of goes on forever about all of this uh, various gang stuff that is being discussed at length yet unexplained enough that you still feel sort of at sea with the whole thing. I found that really frustrating. Um, and 
it just seemed that like it's introducing new characters like 90 minutes in and it, it just felt like it didn't know where to stop and I do think it's a huge detriment to the movie. Like, I don't know if I would ever watch this again just purely on like the commitment aspect of it, of just being like, it was long and it felt long. And I had a hard time getting around that. And how frequent those quiet moments ultimately were versus what we were getting out of them. I was, I was a little tired of that. I would also wager that I think some, and I did watch the raid and then the raid too, like fairly close together. Um, some of the action here feels like a little bit samey throughout the course of the movie. And especially with the raid, like relatively fresh in the mind, but like, uh, so you could even in cutting it down. I don't think it's purely a question of, dropping narrative stuff but you could probably lose an action sequence or two and still have all of the highlights of the movie that said there is still a good number of absolutely hooting and hollering freaking out as liam described as sort of being in awe of some ridiculous shit and um there's some really striking really fun action i think the movie's really stylish i think um it knows where it thrives but it also doesn't seem to know where it doesn't thrive, which is a, diff a frustrating bit of tension in watching the movie. You know what I mean? I think that's definitely all true. I agree with you that it is, it is too long and at times it doesn't feel self-aware or it's doing things that don't make sense. Um, I think that like I think it's the difference is just like if you can get like swept up in like the spectacle and like the the energy of it all and I, I think a lot of stuff here um, doesn't work but I still think it's like a, a triumph of like an action movie yeah um, and, and it is but I also think that by the end of the movie like I was even just tired of the action like because it, there's, there's, it was it was so too much. relentless and I was just like oh my god like I got it um did you feel that way at the end of the first one with all that action? Uh, a little bit, but that movie's also about an hour shorter. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't so. want to be the one that has to make the decision on which action set piece to cut out because they're all excellent. I'll tell you, cut the fucking prison break sequence in half for starters because um, that shit was too fucking long. And also the entire lead up to it was in slow motion for no reason. <laughs> so that could probably they, they did that trick a few times yeah slow -mo I, I, right before it goes i really off. liked the way that the slow-mo stuff was shot and choreographed with the like the dripping buckets and everything but but it didn't it could go if you had to ask me to start taking stuff out but uh i, I like the i like the physicality of that set of that set piece like in and all the mud and everything i think it looks and plays really great yeah it didn't and have I to think, be like I think 15 like the, minutes though <laughs> The location's pretty extraordinary. The prison and how they they depict a lot of like the guards running through halls and the sounding of alarms. Like that's all good to me, but yes. it is a long it is a long set piece. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying it's bad. Like the movie's not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but is it sort of like overbearing? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. There are places that you can definitely cut out, like a minute here, a minute there, and I think that you could probably get this down to like a cool. 
205. Yeah, it just it feels distracted from its own goals when the action feels so sound and also so able to tell stories on its own. Like mm-hmm. the fight between the assassin and Rama is like a self-contained like full narrative unto itself. So it feels a little bit ironic to me that the movie also spends so much time on its conventional narrative when it's like, let your skill set do the heavy lifting. It's okay. Yeah. Like we can make think, this work. I think the only real part of the, the narrative that I was super invested in, um, cause I feel like the film goes in so many different directions. There's the undercover cop thing. There's the, um, was the, was the father son, dynamic and like the 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 dynasty and i think the final catharsis of of when the father confronts the son who's betrayed him is extraordinary where he's screaming at him and slapping him across the face i think that that's a really great scene and i i was very invested in that narrative but i found it difficult to invest in everything else that was going on around it or because of it um like all all the supporting characters and what they're doing in the b plots and c plots I agree with that. I it sort of felt like a like a TV series mashed mm-hmm. into a feature length where it's just like this stuff. If this was a TV show, this would sort of be divided into multiple epi- episodes and have its own built-in narratives whereas um having it all be in one movie felt a bit scattered. I mean, if we're comparing this to like movies where uh, a director isn't sure that he's going to make a movie and so he just piles it all in, I would say that this is not my preferred execution of that because it is it felt like a lot of um a lot of uh n- dialogue like character based shoving stuff in uh, a without w- a lot of clutter without really like uh figuring out a way to make it all feel seamless and so i I I was okay with the with the length just because I felt like okay I've got to like I've got to uh take my pills before I get dessert so I was I was just like along for the ride knowing that some wicked action was going to come and knowing that occasionally there would be some some slower scenes that I really got something out of like one that I loved the one you described Mitch with the with the dad and I also really liked that karaoke scene um where uh um uko uko right yeah uko is just being like a total piece of shit it's and it's very tense as he's like trying to control this woman i actually i didn't you didn't like that no oh no i didn't like that scene much either i thought that i thought that it was like interesting i think maybe in terms of his his character perhaps but (laughs) i just couldn't get past the shitty lip syncing well but also um i just think that we've already established who he is and it felt a little bit like needless as a whole entire dedicated, like here he is continuing to be an asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt like we knew that. And it feels like an example of a scene where the movie doesn't recognize that it might not need this part to still get everything it wants to get across across. 
Yeah, I totally understand that. Like, I think when I think when I think of this movie, you know, months from now, I'm I think I'm going to remember it as like an hour and a half long movie in terms of all the stuff that I remember would add up to be about that runtime. And so it sort of feels like it's like a choose your own adventure where like that was the scene that really spoke to me that illustrated his character. But now that I think of it, it, it did come pretty dang late in the movie. And so either like you take that scene out because it's already established or you take out stuff that came beforehand and you use that as the scene to establish how he is. And so um, I did kind of feel like I was uh, getting just getting through some of those scenes and I was I was okay watching it, but it wouldn't be um, this isn't the kind of two and a half hour movie where I put on and I tell someone like, yo, like you've got to pay attention the whole time because everything you're about to see is important and it's all going to reach a fever pitch. It sort of felt to me like some of it was, uh, could be kind of glossed over a little bit. But the movie places such an important, seeming importance on like these supporting, uh, B plots and C plots that yeah, it's, it's I would frustrating argue that they're all treated as more or less a plots, mm-hmm. which is weird. Like the full detour that we get with, uh, uh machete man you know our good friend uh feels like the movie was like ah we want to really have a set piece for this guy so we're just gonna take a detour so he can do a bunch of cool shit and i wasn't really sure who he was like i I didn't know a guy like exactly um, right like i i had to pull out my phone at that moment and i was like who the fuck is this guy do you mean the actor or the character no, I mean the character and the yeah. actor because I recognized him. But yeah, well, um, yeah, and like they just established him as like I guess he was like a, an assassin for that like family. But it's just like, and now we're like meeting his his like ex wife and whatever. And I'm just like, dude, I get you want him in the movie. I do too. He's great, but like, fuck, man. Um, oh, that's where I think some of that editing tact comes back in. Um, but. I, I do want to ask now that we've got it all on the table, Liam, what mm-hmm. moments made you make that face? Oh, when man. you say stink face, do you mean like, Good like puff out face. your lips kind of like, oh, yeah, like now this is action. Yeah, my my stink face is sort of like a like a frown. Like it would probably look like I've like smelled something like, bad. Or like you look a little confused. Crinkle the nose a bit. Yeah, yeah. look confused. Um so, so some of those moments, what can I get here? Because I've got, I, I wrote down a lot for sure. Um, I mean, in the in the fight at the prison with the when they're all in the mud, there was a rock to the face that happens pretty quickly, yeah, inexplicably. Um, like everybody just starts killing anybody in that fight. Like oh yeah, like the leg snap is crazy. Pandemonium. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The leg snap. He snaps that some... one guy's leg and he snaps his arm. <laughs> you only need one of each dude uh, there's some brutal <laughs> stabbing all throughout the movie where it's just like rapid stabs I love that shit like when that happens in a horror movie that unsettles me so much um, and so seeing it in an action movie is just like totally uh, ups the stakes um, another one would be when the bat dude finally got batted by his own bat and the bat like goes into his face and stays. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, like, and then it just, wedged and then the camera just chills. Oh gosh. 
Um, that- another one would be uh, getting fried when homie got fried with on his the grill on the grill. That was crazy. And that's such a cool effect there. And again, like you see him get fried up and then uh, the shot just lingers on like this really gross effect of his face just so fried up. And then we learn that he's actually a police officer. And so that was a bit of extra character work where I I um, really got taken by that. And I'll say one more. Um, when... Uh, the uh, oh, what's the name of the long hair, long hair dude who ends up dying in the snow alley? Koso, when he uh rapidly punches a dude's face, oh my god, he just goes like he's fucking smashing the A button as Kirby in Super Smash Bros. Yeah. Brrr, just oh, also, was that, that snowy was so alleyway? Cool. Do you guys think that was a lady snowblood too? Send up. <laughs> uh, and the Schubert's playing. It's, it's like sounds like it's Barry Lyndon or something. Yeah. But- but like it's did, great. Lady Snowblood had that, didn't it? Like cuz like born in a prison and then like goes outside and it's snowing and it like the hallway just looked like that. As far as I know it doesn't snow in Jakarta, but it's great style. I dude, that's what got me too. I'm like why is it snowing? But then that's something where I'm perfectly willing to go, who gives a fuck why it's snowing? It's cool. Like that it's just cool. Mm-hmm. Um Liam, how did you feel about his like Jason Voorhees routine? What do you mean by that? Like that he was like chasing a guy, holding a machete, walking a single speed while the other guy was running away and caught him still anyway, and then stabbed him through a fence. Yes. Yeah. I like just a slasher villain. Like that's all that is like. Yeah. And I think that's the director digging into some camp like Mitch mentioned. I think think there is a good amount of camp in this movie. Yeah, there's like a there's certainly a level of awareness. I mean, when that guy in the porn studio goes to grab that shotgun under the table, it is the most obvious shotgun grab you've ever seen in your life. And it's just yep. sort of like, ah, this is where all the killing and shooting will start. What are some of the big violent moments that stuck uh, out to you guys? I'm trying to remember, but honestly, you know, a lot of it kind of bleeds together in my brain. I think the the final car chase is excellent oh yeah it goes on for a long time and some of the camera work and i I don't think too long um but some of the camera work is extraordinary like you're not really sure how the camera is getting from the inside of one car into the interior of another like it's it's mystifying to me and i think that it's really satisfying the way that like the almost like the phone booth style of boxing and, and and gunplay connect into this electrifying car chase and like the scene where the guy drives into the barrier or there's guys hanging off the the side of the car like hitting their head on the road and then getting doored like it's just such kinetic uh or the the kinetic result of that action is so satisfying um and really fun to watch so i really like that set piece um the part where the guy gets the pickaxe through the head is crazy as well i think that that's like a a particularly interesting kill in the movie um oh one more kill that i that i thought was crazy was the jaw kill at the very end of the movie where he gets him with that hook knife in the side of the jaw and you just see him split his whole mouth open yeah <laughs> that that's a gross effect oh, yeah. i was gonna and say I think it's, it's great that whole fight in the kitchen is just like ruthless and like there's something so like primal and weird about like two guys falling to the ground and just the best you can do is slam a guy's head into like a metal counter that's like all you have and then 
there's something that I enjoyed a lot about the assassin, um, starting with like being convinced he was going to win essentially and like being really cocky about it and then realizing, oh, maybe this isn't going my way and busting the knives out and then yeah. like they each get one. But like, dude, when they get slashed with one of those, like buckets of blood are just like pouring out of these guys. Like it is gruesome. And, it's kind of uh, giving uh like the knife fight in Eastern Promises. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that movie, but the knife fight in the Turkish bath. No, I haven't, but Okay, that's like I think the best knife fight ever put to film. But um yeah, yeah it's th- giving that. I think the kill like a, a lot of the ending, like they truly saved a lot of great stuff for the end. Um I think once Rama gets through to where that meeting is happening, and like dudes just start like col- like collapsing and crumbling because he's just tearing people apart, um, and like shooting and whatever and like ripping those guys to pieces is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a I think in that scene, um, if I'm understanding you right, there's a brutal head explosion. Oh, there, it's a gnarly. Yeah, Be- Beho gets his head blasted open. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like that's the sort of thing where it's just like that's horror. I love like that's yeah. I love that. I love that Venn diagram of where horror and action crosses over. Um, but in terms of like just just action, where like I'll I'll take away the gore uh, a little bit. There's still stuff that really is awesome, like um. The character, uh, the actor from VHS two. I don't remember who he, what his character from was in this movie. Um, Which guy? There's he, he's the he's the guy he's the guy who um, who Rama uh, is going to shoot in the room after he's like smashed through windows and stuff. He's lying on the ground and Rama is going to shoot him, or maybe he's he, I think he's going to hit him with like a melee weapon, and then he decides not to. And then the homie, I couldn't really tell if he either, he either just like starts to push himself off the ground and then collapses and it smashes the black or he smashes his own face against the floor. I couldn't tell which it was. Um, but anyway, this dude, he, uh, he's like jumping through windows and getting thrown through windows and you watch him like land on his head on the floor and the camera's flipping upside down and you're like seeing him make impact with the ground and i just have no idea how they shot that or like what was being done there yeah. if there was a trick or if he just like knew how to like i mean land. i i honestly think it's more likely that these performers know how to land than it is that they did a trick like genuinely it looks- it looks so brutal. I mean, like, he's not, like, wrestling, like, landing safely on his back, and the ground doesn't look like it has give to it, like a wrestling mat. Like, he's landing basically, like, on his on the top of his shoulders and his head. Yeah. Just crazy. I think they just know how to do it. Um, mm. Like, because you get, you get these guys because they know what they're doing. It's, it's pretty sweet. Um, I will say, also, the action scene where... They, they oh, sorry, his name is Topin. That guy, Topin. Uh, yeah, porn guy. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the action scene where they initiate the three, the triple threat gang war initiation action is pretty good. Uh, I guess that you talked about that a little bit because the baseball thing is in there, but just like everybody is going out, ah, we're killing everybody now. 
Oh, um, like the you're talking about the hammer sequence. Well, it's all intercut together. I just of got course. confused because yeah. my note I wrote triple threat gang war initiation action scene is yeah. how I described it. That's a crazy sequence. I think that's uh, particularly for me the the hammer part and the yeah. stuff with the bats pretty cool. Dude, the, the ends of those hammers like work like knives. Like it's like she sharpened them. It's like yeah, I I think like. It reminded me a lot of the hallway fight scene from Old Boy with the hammer. Although, yes, the one thing that that scene has going for it is the static shot, where it doesn't it doesn't cut. Um, but still great. That's Corey's favorite Josh Brolin movie. Old Boy. <laughs> do they do the same thing? Yeah. The same shot. Eh, more or less. <laughs> ah, that's kind of that seems almost criminal. It's not a good movie. Um. The OG is great. Um, also, I was curious about when this came out relative to some of the John Wick movies. Not for like action-oriented reasons, but like style-oriented reasons. Um, mm. And in particular, decor-oriented reasons. In particular with uh, Beho and his like all-red, like luxurious suites and areas... And it's just like men in suits hanging out, but also with the capacity to just like absolutely murder you. It was that's what very, was reminding me of of only God forgives. Yeah, I found it very like late John Wick, like three four, where it's just sort of like drenched in color and very sort of like bespoke to itself. Um, I think those sets are pretty spectacular. They're really cool. Um, also, for some reason, uh, one of them he's like walking through like a totally red room that's like gold inlay on the floor and for some reason it was giving me the same impression as the shots from the movie the warriors of the woman's mouth when she's talking into the radio mic <laughs> i'm like these are giving me the same impression of style despite being completely different things that's cool you know what reminded me of the warriors was uh the first fight scene in like the prison stall where they're the prison bathroom stall also, that where was, all the that people was, are just coming at Rama like one by one. Was that just when he got there? Like, how did he even end up in that position? That's truly yeah. a great fight scene, though. I was expecting a freeze frame. You might, yep, that's me. You <laughs> might be wondering how I got here. Yeah, that was a great fight scene. I love that it sort of mitigates the uh, the critique often thrown at action movies of like, why is it just one or two people attacking your main character at once when all, you have a whole gang of them? And so when they they actually do overwhelm him at the very end, it feels so satisfying. And I also love that that scene is is pretty much just martial arts based. Like there's not a whole lot of over the top gore or weapons. I think it's a great uh, fight scene to situate you. And I thought that the whole movie was going to take place in the prison, man. I thought um, this was going to be like uh, a really cool action movie from a few years ago called Brawl in Cell Block 99. It's just about like going deeper and deeper into the seedy underbelly of a prison i thought that's what this was going to be um and i think i would have been okay with that as well but clearly it had different goals in mind i do want to know how much sympathy can we have for rama with the amount of blood on his hands it's it's got that Ludo narrative dissonance Boy, vibe in, it, in any video game because they're selling him as like the oh my wife oh my son oh I'm so I just miss my family, but it's like he will kill with his bare hands literally anybody in like the most violent way he can. 
it's like comical. Like, yeah, it's kind of like how can Nathan Drake still be lovable after he destroys all the world's like artifact artifacts and kills like five hundred people. <laughs> yeah, it's it does have a very interesting bit of like Ludo narrative dissonance to it. What does that mean, Ludo narrative? It's a great question. That's just the term. I know what the term Ludo narrative dissonance means. I don't know what Ludo narrative means. Well, what does like Ludo narrative dissonance mean? Like, I don't even. It's know. It's essentially it's, it's oh, Mitch, you go. Okay, so it's essentially like if you try and like write off like your main character as a good guy and the guy you're supposed to be rooting for, but then they're also like a mass murderer, and I feel like if you were to analyze like them uh, critically or ethically, like should you <laughs> it, it's the dissonance of like should i be rooting for this person even though they're a mass murderer <laughs> oh interesting oh, so and this is specifically a video game thing it is because i've just discovered that ludo narrative is uh, a blend of ludology which is the study of games and narrative so ludo narrative dissonance i guess is specifically referring to the conflict between like the stuff that you don't control where they're telling that story about like, hey, this guy's cool and he's nice. And the part where you do play where you kill like a thousand guys. Um, oh, I see. And that's interesting. So I guess in this case, it's just narrative dissonance. Not it, Nothing's Ludo about it. But, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, you learn something. But I guess it, it would be like the scenes of like that aren't action based. That's the that's the. um non-interactive stuff and then the interactive stuff would be like him killing everyone yeah in, in this example seats. yes also interesting it's insane do you know that that term has only been in use since 2007 hmm. it's interesting i mean that, i guess that makes me feel better i've only it's only been 16 years of me <laughs> avoiding it not 80 um well, the Monopoly man wasn't, like, gunning down hordes of people, you know? Yeah, but he was a <laughs> filthy fucking capitalist rat. That's true. Um, one other thing that this movie did that I thought was really cool that I don't think... I, I don't know if I've ever seen it in an action movie is when bullets were flying, bullets would be hitting already dead bodies, and you would see, like, the bodies move from the impact of the bullets and like blood shooting up from the bodies but it was people who had who had died earlier in the scene um it was very cool it kind of, it, that reminded me of a video game in like a video game where a dead body were to stick around and like you could like still shoot it it's like still an interactive element even though it has been done with narratively because it's a dead person so i thought that was really cool you gotta squib the corpses bro yeah like my gosh the movie it 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 often will do something gnarly and then will put a hat on a hat and I like that hat <laughs> like uh when in the car chase that Mitch was talking about such a great scene there's this dude with a motorcycle helmet and he not only gets <laughs> shot once in the face he gets shot so many times in the face all rapidly and so like his his, his like, the head visor and his helmet mush. breaks his his head gets all mushy and bloody i would assume and then he falls off the car and gets run over by the car he, oh he, yeah this, this film's doing oh. crazy shit with automatic pistols like that <laughs> full so, mag yeah. dump into a guy so that's it really i mean i just i even though it was two and a half hours and i do think that to me that's like it's it's flaws can sort of be wrapped up in that um I also am 
I think the movie is definitely worth it for that good stuff in it. And uh, like, I wonder, I'm, I'm championing this movie, The Night Comes for Us, and I'm wondering how long that is. That movie, it says it's two hours and one minute. And so maybe that's a bit more palatable. It sounds silly, but the difference of half an hour is fairly significant in the actual viewing experience. I Yeah, that makes sense. And then I think uh, The Night Comes for Us has a much more streamlined, but not as sparse plot as the first raid like it's still uh as i recall it's it's still pretty emotional and then it also leans a bit harder into the horror movie gore i would say um and so i just like that having only seen it once that might be my favorite action movie um it's it's so cool and this movie has a lot of the stuff that i love about uh that movie in it so fun fact for you Good stuff. Uh, he's in the raid, and he's also in the night comes for us. But Joe Taslam, I guess I don't know who he would be in the night comes for us. But uh, he is in that 2021 Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, cool! He plays Sub Zero. Cool. Which is pretty neat. So I mean, I guess presumably he'll be in the second one as well. But uh, oh, I guess uh, oh, he's like the the protagonist of that movie. Ito, the night comes for us. He's that guy. Right, he's like the cool. he's like the he's like the main guy. Uh, he is in that Mortal Kombat. I needed to shoehorn that in somehow. I knew that, so I needed to get it out there. <laughs> Very cool. Are we rated out? I feel, I've been like, I feel like we've hit everything, and like I feel like we did do a pretty good roundabout job of like hitting the positive and the negative because again there's a lot of stuff i like about the movie just the viewing experience unto itself was a bit much with that excessive kind of thing yeah i think we'll have to we'll ask you how you feel about the raid in a couple months from now and i feel like the raid too i mean and i feel like you'll be like that movie's awesome just gotta let it simmer let the let those extra minutes disappear in your memory and just think about that moment where the dude got baseballs hit at his head viciously. No one ever throws him the ball back. If they had a glove, it could have been avoided. We need a baseball combat movie. The Sandlot 4. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we know what we want to watch next yet? Yes. So... Corey, I don't know if you know this, but mm-hmm. according to the Gregorian calendar... <laughs> I love that one. That's my preferred one. <laughs> next month is uh, October. and Ooh, I just got to chill. That means that the next episode that comes out will be an October episode, which means we are officially in my favorite time period of the year. October, scary movie season. And uh, so all October... We have resolved to do scary movies, a curated selection of scary movies. William Castle is going to sit aside for a month. He gets enough spookying in in the other 11 He's put months. us through the ringer recently, quite frankly, with the horror stuff. So he's he's had his fill. That's right. He needs to go think about what he did. Yeah. He needs um, to reconsider maybe showing us like MXP2 or whatever. <laughs> Yes, so maybe maybe that's what we'll get in November. We'll see if he learned his lesson four weeks from now. Um, but this month, we, we have picked the movies that we're going to do um, on a weekly basis. We've got it all figured out, and it's going to be a whole lot of new movies, uh, three new movies. There's four 
Wednesdays in October, so there's going to be four October releases, and we're going to do three new movies that we will announce as the month goes on, but in this first week, based on the way we record, none of the exciting new October movies are going to be out yet, so we have had to uh, pick an October spooky kind of fitting movie um, that is already out. And it's, it's kind of tough, because we do a lot of horror movies. Um, so we can't just pick any old horror movie and say that it's a spooky movie. Um, so we, we racked our brains a little bit. And what we're going to do is one that has actually been on the list since, I think, uh, we started the podcast. Um, it is... Uh, yeah, it's number nine on our list. Wow, really? It's yeah. I'm surprised. I didn't even realize it had been out that long too. I thought it was like a smidge newer than that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly how that worked out. Maybe it's one of those ones that I just put at nine for some reason, even though we were much farther down the list. Um, but it's one that I've at least I've wanted to get to for multiple October's now. But there's just so much good stuff every October. But um, this little window break from new movies has allowed us to fit it in all that is to say we are visiting the goosebumps well for the first ever time and we are going to be talking about the sequel to the goosebumps movie called goosebumps haunted halloween yeah i will say um i saw that first goosebumps movie i think in theaters whoa and you were like an adult yeah i think i saw it in theaters wow um I did not see this one, so it's all it's all Greek to me from here, which I think is kind of exciting. And we don't do this kind of movie a lot that's, like, horror but still, like, relatively kid-oriented. Like, the closest we really got was Are You Afraid of the Dark, and that's it's been years. Yeah, yeah, This is, I think this is why um, it's been pushed aside for a lot of Octobers, even though... Did I say October? October's even though it's a it's a good October movie. I mean, it's right there in the title, Haunted Halloween. But um, yeah, it's not a genre we get to dip into all that much. The kid, uh, kid movies in general, and yeah. then the kid scary movies. So and I'm, even I'm then, excited. Are you afraid of the dark? Was kind of an outlier in that we were like experimenting with TV, which we haven't done much of either. <laughs> so yeah, nice to get to something a little bit more straightforward for us at the very least. Um, and then, yeah, we will have through the rest of the month, a something visual that you should watch out for. Just a little tease for that, but also um, the new stuff that you're hoping will hit. We likely are. Uh, I know that just the nature of the show, uh, movies that fit our criteria are coming out all of the time, and in some cases, we almost kind of like intentionally ignore those. Uh, because there's just so much to get to all the time that we don't need to necessarily go to the theater to see Expendables for, or that kind of thing. But um, we are making the exception because this month seems particularly loaded with uh, they made another one fodder. So we'll get there. But first, goosebumps. Now that we've got that nailed down, um, Mitch, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, he's a ghost. He's, he's <laughs> turned he's into a ghost. a ghost. He's uh, he's been locked in a prison for two years. We haven't seen him since this podcast recording started. Um, okay, I guess he doesn't. Uh, Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? 
I have a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. Um, I have a Weezer podcast where I talk about Weezer albums every episode. It's called In the Weeds with Weezer, the Little Bitches podcast. That's on Spotify and, and YouTube. And I also have a band called Guest Room Status that's on all the music services. Where are you guys at with the Weezer stuff? We are, uh, the last one that came out is their fourth album, I believe, Maladroit. I keep so, forgetting um, that you record in like chunks, so like there is, it still is releasing, but you don't mm-hmm. have to do it all the time, which is a different approach to what we do usually. That's right, yeah. Smart. Um, you can hear another podcast that I do called MK PodQuest, which we're wrapping up with our Mortal Kombat ephemera. Um, we recently had an episode come out about Mortal Kombat, the album, not to be confused with Mortal Kombat, the official soundtrack, uh, which was for the 1995 movie. This is the album that was made by the electronic music guys that did the song that everybody associates as being the Mortal Kombat theme song. You know, the one, um, how does that go? Yeah. Sorry. How does it go? Uh, test your might test your might right and then that happens a couple times and then mortal combat and then he lists all the guys names it's mostly in-game sound effects or the actual music interesting i didn't know that he listed the people's names yeah well it's all the sound effects from the game like the sound bites are all from the game oh okay yeah uh i won't do that here but uh look up techno syndrome by the immortals and that's what you're looking for um we also have a movie or rather an episode coming out shortly after that that features an absolute boatload of mortal Kombat adjacent actors and martial artists that uh that we just did so we do have stuff still coming that's winding down and um if you're looking for all that stuff in one convenient place you can go to mortal conquest.ca and it's all there including social medias and other shows and all of that jazz i should actually look into i i can edit that site i should add your stuff onto there too and we can just make that like a a convenient landing page for uh for everything but uh thank you all once again for listening to this episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on instagram at they made another which is all one word and on letterboxd at tmao you can find episodes on spotify apple and google podcasts and all the other podcast services that uh run i think it's basically just those i don't know how many other ones even exist quite frankly i have a bunch written into this little outro script and like several of them don't exist anymore (laughs) so (laughs) whatever but wherever they are they made another one's what you're looking up uh leave us a review rate us five stars Uh, all of that helps us get out in front of other people which is a huge benefit for us uh you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and um hmm Your favorite fight scene in the raid, too. You got to watch the movie now. Figure it out. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, it's time for a very haunted Halloween. Next week, and they made another one. (laughs) 